gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest feature show here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat. If you're hearing voices in your head, it's the voice of me, Scott McLeod, and my panel. As we talk about the legend killer, the viper, the apex predator, that guy whose hand you don't want to shake, Randall Keith Orton III. Yeah, and we're, he's a man who's had a long history with throughout the WWE and we're here to break it all down for you. As I said, I am your host here for this feature show and I'll introduce to you my panel. You know, Randy Orton is known for having some devastating moves, from the punt to the RKO, but they, are, they pale in comparison to the devastation of this man's headbutt. He's not killed any legends, but he did nearly keep, kill a feature film. Uh, is the one Andy Mitchell. Hey, I was, I've been told that was the best part of that film, you know. And there's nothing wrong with my headbutt. <laughs> you know, at least I didn't kill uh Actually, no, I won't go there. <laughs> Someone... Uh, Famously associated with using the headbutt is the finishing move. It's great to be here. Just like Randy Orton, my hair is uh, bald, but my body isn't like his. It's fat. So, yeah, it's good to talk about the legend there. Yeah. And, I, and I would never think to shake your hand. Yeah, please don't. I don't know where it's been myself. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, hey, that's you. <laughs> no, Randy Orton currently is in a partnership with Matt Riddle. And that's a partnership that, to me, looks like a brother who's been told by his mum, let your brother play with you, let him feel included. It doesn't matter how annoying he is. And I know my next panelist will not know what that's like at all. It's my brother, Ross. No, no, I know what that's like all too well, unfortunately. Yes, glad to be here in the show that's... Um show that's original host dropped out and original panelist dropped out. I'm happy to be here as a, as a backup option. The safe... The safe backup option that Vince likes, much like Randy Orton. I just feel like Randy Orton's career is that everybody just drops off and we're still just somehow kicking about. <laughs> we're, we're still here, plodding along, head, endless headlocks. But you can hear all of us and the other people who couldn't be here on our multiple feature shows in our back catalogue on the Eat Sleep Soapage Retreat podcasting feed on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, all good Android podcasting sites. You've got uh, last week's show that was talking about great heel champions. And you've got next week's feature show. Can't remember it, but I'm sure it'll be a good one. Uh, we've got ESSR Central, regularly hosted by Ross and most recently Sexy John. Uh, David Campbell likes to call him. Uh, Saturday Draft Live, which is past Saturday, as you're hearing this, celebrated 100 episodes. So we celebrated by including all the hosts and no one else was invited. And of course, East meets West. Uh, every so often, me and Grant Robbie will have an episode in a few weeks once the G1 Climax is finished. And also, you can keep up with us and everything else going on on, our, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Suplex Retreat and join the Suplex Retreat uh, community if you can get involved in shows like this and answer Campbell's questions and get that read out on ESSR Central. Right, guys, let's delve into Randall Keith Orton, who you know, unlike many people we talk about when we do profiles, he's not had a history really outside of the WWE. He's the definition of a WWE guy, you know. He only had a few matches in the belt before he joined OVW in late 2000. And by the by summer of 2002, he was already on 
the main roster and a run that's very forgettable. I really got a lot of people if you ask them. Because everybody can remember John Cena's you know, debut and you know, the ruthless aggression, slapping Kurt Angle across the face. I don't think if you asked 100 people, I don't think 99 of them probably couldn't tell you how Randy Orton debuted on WWE TV. But he debuted in a backstage segment with Stacey Kubler and, and Vince McMahon as a plucky babyface who then went to a feud with Hardcore Holly. And Russ, I think we all know that the best way to get a person over is to pair them with the charisma vacuum that is Hardcore Holly. How do you like me now? Not very much, Bob. Not very much at all. Yeah, um, it was very much... You know how these, like, SmackDown versus Raw video games you get? Yeah. He sort of... His career sort of... SmackDown versus Raw, you say, young man? <laughs> I remember that back in my day. Sorry, I screwed up. Uh, yeah. Mitchell remembers. Um, <laughs> his debut was sort of like one of the characters in that. See the like question that you do to get your XP up before you can be in the title pictures. Hey, you need to feud with Bob Holly. Bob <laughs> Holly's a veteran here. You need to respect him. Like, fuck off, man. At twenty-two, you could already see he was better than. All Bob Holly, oh, Bob Holly, all Bob Holly has is a drop kick, and Randy Orton's is better than Bob Holly's ever was. So, very much yeah. Sorry, uh, Andy's thing with the video games makes you think of the bit in Star Park. Member SmackDown Vera, member uh, GM. I remember. <laughs> so that's Vince McMahon when he wakes up. You know how old he is now. You remember Hulk Hogan? You remember when racism was cool? You remember when it's like, well, Vince, calm down. <laughs> uh, no, I remember. Uh, I remember that very specifically. Like Alton just in the background, he's firing into Stacy Keebler, and then Vince McMahon shows up and just starts being like, "What are you going to like?" Just puts him into a match, and it was like, "That's how you debut." Like someone, you know, uh, you know. Fair enough. It was like the big four was Batista from OVW, Batista, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. and, and Randy Alton. And Randy Alton probably had the weakest, but yet he's the only one that's still around, which is quite. Again, was it didn't start with a bang, well, like a whimper, but he's still, you know, he's still there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's part of that. Quite, pre- Sorry, Andy. no, it's just, it's just quite interesting that it's again that they they knew he was like a third generation superstar because obviously Bob Holly, Bob Holly, Bob Holly's not his dad, Bob Orton, <laughs> who is <laughs> in the company, and obviously his granddad was a wrestler and it's like yeah you've got this third generation superstar you're second to the rock and it's just like oh we just throw him in a backstage seven with Stacey Kimbler yeah it's amazing as well how um how in the attitude era obviously that the rock his Rocky Maivia character just didn't fly and yet when they debuted um when they debuted both John Cena and Randy Orton, they were both this plucky upstart who just wanted to make their family proud and wanted to win. And, oh, I love this business. Like, they essentially gave both of them the Rocky Maivia treatment. Thankfully, both of them were able, you know, in the year ahead to show a bit of an edge and get away from that sort of, well, I'm just here to do my best, folks. Yeah. I was going to say to you, Russ, that I was thinking about earlier today that it's amazing how actually similar they both are in their first couple of years. Both debut as third generation wrestlers, uh, plucky like baby faces that no one really cares about. Turn heel, join a faction, start showing their actual charisma, win the IC title, and both at one point were considered the youngest world champion. Like The Rock was the youngest WWE champion before Lesnar came around, and Randy was the youngest holder of the WWE version of the World Heavyweight 
title. So it's actually amazing how much they mm-hmm. parallel, but yet uh, they never actually, The Rock was one of those legends or never actually got a chance to try and kill during his run at any point, which would have been probably amazing. Yeah, a lot of the, obviously we'll get into the feud with Mick Foley, a lot of that um, three-on-two handicap match is, you know, it doesn't go long, it goes about, what, ten minutes? And most of it is just, let's get a moment with Rock and Flair, let's get a moment with Rock and Orton, let's get a moment with Foley and Orton, let's get a moment with Batista and Foley, you know what I mean? It's like, nothing stands out for that match other than the finish. And Rock really never get the chance to mix it up with Randy Orton. In a promo segment with him, I think in the June, a couple of months later, pardon me, when Rock used to just show up in Raw randomly for one episode in 2004 from time to time. And then, yeah, even Rock's comeback from 2011 to 2013, you know, he fought Miz, R-Truth, Cena, um, Fought Punk, had interactions with other people, never had any sort of interaction or any sort of a program with Randy Orton, mm-hmm. and I'm really surprised about that. Yeah, but with Orton, like after his debut, he kind of wanders around. Uh, he has a match with Undertaker, I think Undertaker still needs to be a champion at this point, and uh, he gets thoroughly battered by Undertaker. But I think Orton did mention that the most of the offense he was allowed from Taker kind of got cut because it was on a tape. So I think yeah. he revealed that on a a broken skill sessions interview with Austin. But uh, obviously he would then turn, he would go very raw and get injured by the end of 02 and it wasn't until he returned in 03 that we actually started to see what Randy Orton was truly capable of. But uh, here's a little thing about Randy Orton's time as a, a baby face on SmackDown. He didn't have the RKO at this point. He had, his signature moves were a crossbody off the top, <laughs> a drop kick, as you say, but one of the best drop kicks in the business. And he had his devastating finishing move, the overdrive. <laughs> Which is yeah, basically, which is MVP's playmaker, basically. Yeah, I remember the overdrive. Uh, I remember again back in a uh, SmackDown. Was it SmackDown? Shoot, that's not shoot your mouth, is it? SmackDown, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth, yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was like that. It was like this crappy over. Like just puts his his leg over this guy's head, and it's like. And Randy Orton's like six four. He's like tall. He just he's just really lanky, and it's just like looks so. It's just a bad setup. But I remember he, he was saying that uh, when he'd done the crossbody, I think it was Harley Race, it said mm-hmm. to him, it's like, you're, you're a big guy, you don't need to jump off the top rope, try and like, be a bit more ground-based. But I remember the days of SmackDown when it was on Sky One, <laughs> and then when he moved to Raw, I, gen- I generally didn't I didn't know he moved to Raw, because obviously I, I didn't watch Raw because it was on Sky Sports. And I just thought that he would have got released, because again... The internet was it was dial up internet back in two thousand two three, so it wasn't like you could go onto the WWE website and, and check to see what was happening on Twitter. So was, the only time I'd saw him again was the when it was WrestleMania twenty, and I was like, oh, is that that same young guy with better hair now? Because <laughs> his hair was awful back when he, he debuted, just these long sort of I don't know greasy looking like like bangs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember like. I think, so I've seen him, uh, obviously you're talking about, the, you, Andy, me and you are a certain vintage, you know, I remember back in those days, yeah. <laughs> Sky One, um, when we couldn't get, um, when we couldn't get wrestling in the, the high flats, we couldn't get Sky in the high flats, uh, it was when we moved, and it was in the lead up to WrestleMania 20, and i seen this, this young guy feuding with Mick Foley, and then, 
he's would you call it he's uh, like I remember being taken with him because of this like RKO and that's such a cool finisher and he had such a cool look and he had the Intercontinental Championship and like instantly I was drawn to this guy and then like my birthday's like a month after WrestleMania I remember getting shut your mouth and it had like the old Randy Orton in it and it was as you said the horrible hair the horrible like brighter than bright blue but like mustard yellow with it gear and I remember the, the thing that always stood out to me was Randy Orton always had a 50 overall in Smackdown Shut Your Mouth mm. and unless you went him he never got any better he always <laughs> used to lose matches and you'd see him in like year two of your season mode he would be like at mm. 42 overall because he just kept getting beat <laughs> and <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, just sorry. Yeah, no, you go, you go. I was just gonna say a fun fact: he, he appeared in a SmackDown game before John Cena. Mm. Yeah, 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 and the the stupid finisher, as you mentioned. So the fact that I'd been taken in by this guy who looked so cool, who looked who had a great finisher and like a great build and great gear and all that, and the pose and the Evolution theme song and everything. And then you go back and it's like, wow, a year later, a year earlier, sorry, you looked like shit. <laughs> like you, you have all the tools, but they did not give you any of them to start with. Yeah. Talking about finishers, though, I think we might as well mention it now. Uh, the RKO itself, I mean, it's a very simple move to take and simple move to like perform. And we'd seen it before DDP did it, before Johnny Ace did it. Uh, and then we've seen people like, Pretty much everybody in the Indies at some point does some variation of the cutter. Like Will Osprey had his own version, we did the spring off the ropes into it. But uh, I think the way Orton does it, I think he does it better than maybe anybody else. And also the memes are everywhere with the whole out of nowhere. Yeah. But the fact he's able to every so often, like after like uh just Randy Orton, and then over Sony reminds you, oh look, I can hit the RKO from this cool position. Well, it's funny when when he first done it, it seemed quite awkward because again, I think it was people weren't too sure how to take it, and then he used to do a run up and then catch him rather than just kind of pop up and catch him. And I think it was when he done it. I don't know what year it was when he done it to Rob Van Dam and Rob Van Dam literally oh, it landed oh, yeah. like like straight line, and it was like wow, that, no three. Yeah, because I think at at the time when he, when you would hit the RKO, you were just kind of like, what the hell just happened? Did you, what was that? And then it was like one two three. And I mean, yeah, I think it did take a while before it became this big impactful move. At first, it's just oh, you've done a move, and then that was it. And I was like, oh, is that the match finished? Mm-hmm. Kind of because it was like so. I don't know. It's just it's an interesting evolution. Although not much when he started to what it is now, but it is like like small steps that he made it look just much much better. And again, like whoever he was against, like last said that Rand. If you've not seen it, look up just. Uh, Randy Orton RKO's at RVD and it is probably one of the better um, like RKO's he's done yeah because like you say about the run up I think that's kind of what DDP used to do with it but I think the fact that he now just leaps up and just drives you down mm. with that I think that makes it look so much more impactful and so much better than anything than DDP's like Diamond Cutter which I think it makes it look great and then as like I said every so often every like couple of years there'd be that one standout RKO's well, like 06, you had that one with Carlito bouncing off the ropes in it. I, I remember watching that. It was so amazing. Like the it, first one he kind of done out of nowhere. Then like two years later, you've got Jeff Hardy goes for Joseph and Randy just spins out completely and just catches him in one. And then, of course, we got the obvious, the two like debated whether or not it's the best one, the Evan Bourne one in 2010 and, of course, Seth Rollins in 2015. 
I don't Seth really like, is the Seth Rollins ones is better because I don't really like the Evan Bond because you see him he doesn't really get up that much off the ground it's just kind of like mm. it's almost like he's woke up to hit the snooze button you know he's like oh and I just managed to catch Evan Bond as he was coming down it, 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 you it, know I always sorry, 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 sorry. No, 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 I'm done yeah <laughs> you know who I always used to hate when they took the RKO and it, it was meant to be a reversal yeah quotation marks um, it was when Cody Rhodes was apparently getting the beautiful disaster kick reversed. And obviously, for those of you that know, Cody jumps on the ropes and jumps back and kicks somebody. But he would jump, like, head first. <laughs> and you're like, you don't kick with your head, Cody. What? Like, mm. Those were always the worst RKO's. But, like, yeah, it was such a... It's such a unique finisher. And I remember seeing the story when he was... When he was trying to come up with a new finisher because we were talking about the overdrive being mm-hmm. crap. And he went, he knew he was a heel. He wanted something that could finish a match on anyone from any size. He went, I, he went, I didn't want a powerbomb. He went, because I can't powerbomb the big show. I can't powerbomb Batista. You know what I mean? I can't powerbomb these 400, 500 pound guys. But if you let your guard down for a minute, I can hit you with this devastating cutter. Mm-hmm. And it was like Johnny Ace kind of gave him the permission. Yeah, on you go, you can have it. And like it, it, again, it's such. A, we talked about the memes and we talked about standout RKO's. People talk about cross. <laughs> pardon me. Uh, wrestling stars that have crossed over. Mm-hmm. Randy Orton is one of the most well-known wrestlers worldwide because I think at times we are stuck in a wee bubble. We think, or oh, such and such appeared in a couple of TV shows. Everybody knows who such and such is. No, everyone knows who Randy Orton is because he's in mainstream media as well. He's in mainstream culture with memes and vines and now TikToks, you know, as we move through the years. Mm-hmm. He, and it's all from that one move, you know. I don't think we would have seen Overdrive memes, but we see RKO memes <laughs> everywhere. Overdrive out of nowhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Crossbody yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> I think the, I think I could agree with you, Ross, about the Seth Rollins on being better for a couple of reasons. Because uh, I think the, what makes the Evan Bourne one good is not just the move itself. I think it's the angle because uh, there's zoom right in on Evan Bourne, which is why it's so surprising when it cuts to the next camera angle. And it's only see Orton getting up to deliver the RKO because we just it's just the camera's just fixated on on Bourne. But yeah, the uh, the RKO on Seth is impressive because the elevation he gets, and also I think both Seth and Orton said in interviews afterwards like we kept practicing that and couldn't get it looking good, so that fuck it. We'll uh, we'll see. We'll just try it on the night. We'll see how it no, looks. So it's just a miracle that they got it. It looks good. So apparently Orton like go like yeah when he get does it. It's just some legit maybe being like I can't believe I got that to look as good as it did. And says even says the referee had to lean over Orton and said like pin him, like because he was meant to go from the RKO right into the pin, but he just got so into the more like yeah I hit it. So the referee like fucking count the pin. Yeah, no, it's a great move. It's great as well that uh, was it Triple H used to do it once upon a time and then in one yeah. match <laughs> Hulk Hogan <laughs> brings out the uh, RKO. <laughs> yes. Hulk Hogan, a backlash O2 main event against Triple H, hits an RKO. <laughs> and then Orton's in the back watching, he's like, I'm going to use that. Well, would you call it a Triple H used it and apparently DDP phoned him and said, oh, yes. He was very like, protective of the move and said, look, if people are are kicking out of your move, it makes my move on TV look less believable. 
if you're not going to use it as a finisher, can you not use it at all? And Triple H was like, yeah, okay. And then, well, the pedigree, the pedigree is one of the arguably cooler finishers in wrestling as well. So it all worked out there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So talking of Triple H, Triple H decided into the three he wanted a, a faction. And so he did put together his own version of the Four Horsemen, whereas him as the world champion and his reign of terror, he wanted these guys around to help protect him. And it was in the midst of his feud with Scott Steiner in early 2003, easily one of his worst reigns of that era. Uh, and so he has Ric Flair in his corner, and then he gets upcoming other OVW graduate, Batista, fresh off his role as Deacon Batista, uh, as the powerhouse, and then the young upstart, the guy who's going to be the future of the company, Randy Orton. And instantly, this is where we see Orton showing how good he can be. As a heel, I think, is where Orton truly shines. He's never been the same as a face for me. And he was a heel, and then later into this, he starts the Legend Killer gimmick. One of his first Legends he RKO's is uh, the Fabulous Miller on an episode of Raw. You get cheered for that nowadays if he'd done it. And uh, later years, knowing what we know now, well, she is dead. So you know, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, not nowadays. I mean, person. well, before she died, you know, what I mean, like years later, once we knew what we knew now. Okay, oh, to the urn. <laughs> but and then obviously, his first proper like main. Of, I think it may have been even his first proper pay-per-view match. He's t- one of six people in an elimination chamber where Triple H is defending the world title. Basically, the idea is like he's been put in this match to help have Triple H's back, basically. And I've never, I've never, that's probably like the one of the first few elimination chambers I still haven't seen. And I, I don't know why. Is it even that good? I know he's in it, but... Uh... It's not the most remarkable yeah. chamber. That they've ever done. I think right. it's only remembered because you know Goldberg ran amok in the the match, and then everybody got angry because Goldberg didn't win at the end. But I don't know, yeah, because yeah, Triple H won again, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> There's like one elimination before Goldberg comes in. I think Nash gets eliminated, mm-hmm. and then Goldberg comes in and battles everyone else. Yeah, and remember then he spears Jericho right through. Uh, I've just seen that clip, but I've not actually seen that film match. But uh, I, I, that clip is a is a thing for the match. Goldberg comes in fifth, kills everyone before a uh, thing comes in sixth, and then when it looks like he's about to win, a sledgehammer gets passed in, and yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. You see, then after that, Orton has a match at Unforgiven uh, against uh, Shawn Michaels, which uh, he wins, and he, again he's starting full on like legend like mode. And then Survivor Series, he starts a streak of uh, being sole survivor where, thanks to help from Batista, he beats Shawn Michaels again in the final mm. two when it was Team Bischoff v Team Austin, which meant Austin had to run off TV for all of a month before he came back as Sheriff Austin. And then Armageddon 03, we already talked about it, he became the Intercontinental Champion. So I think this is uh, from SummerSlam, even though he didn't do much in the match for us, I think from then onwards, that's where you see the proper rise of Randy Orton. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think he needed breakout moments. Like he is a naturally gifted guy, but there's so many. Like in WWE, there are so many just good wrestlers. You know what I mean? But they don't have characters. They don't have anything about them to back it up. Whereas Batista, on the other hand, he's you know six three, he's three hundred pounds. He looks like a Greek god. You know, nothing goes over his head, and if it did, he would catch it because he's far too fast. And so he he needed these breakout moments, and the fact that you know he he's in the chamber, so you, you know 
it was never going to turn this early, but they did have the wee seeds of doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a promo with, what if I win the world title? And Ric Flair's like, don't you dare, you know why you're in there. Mm-hmm. You know, it beat Shawn Michaels. He then, he then goes on to beat RVD, who's a legend in his own right. Mm-hmm. And then with Mick Foley being the referee in this match, it starts him off at his path to get, you know, one of Randy Orton's first WrestleMania moments. And doing all this, it took him from, oh, I'm the third generation superstar, or I'm the young up-and-comer guy, to being like, right, we need to watch Randy Orton on his own, not just with Evolution, because he's going to go on to do something mm-hmm. special here. Yeah. Also, like, talking about Batista, he, I think he got injured early in the Evolution's run, they came back before Survivor Series, they clicked the bounty that Triple H put out on, uh, on Goldberg. And I randomly found this on YouTube. They had Randy Orton show about his you know, personality and like his comedic side because uh, they had on that role, Triple H had the money he was going to give whoever clicked the bounty in a, a briefcase and he trusted Orton to look after it. And then Orton comes to Flair and says, I've, I've lost the briefcase, I can't remember where I put it. And so for the rest of Raw, yeah, every so often you get skits of Orton and Flair going through the arena you know, trying to find the briefcase before Triple H reveals he found it and basically just Gives out to Orton like a dad who's like, you had one job, I trusted you to do this one thing, and you fucking lost it. <laughs> Make sure he was like that every time he filled the wellness box as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Andy, we're going to talk about something uh, we talked about when we, you and I were both on the uh, the Mick Foley uh, feature show a while back. We just did our back catalog. But yeah, then Orton starts this thing with Foley. They have a thing at the 2004 Royal Rumble where Foley, I remember, took out Poor Tess. Tess has never been eliminated from the 2004 Royal Rumble. RIP Tess. He was He's wrong. been eliminated from life. For fuck's sake. Wow. For fuck's sake. Yeah, you can cut that out if you want. <laughs> yeah. oh. do, you to, do you want to start again? I'd keep that in, but again, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We're not fucking keeping that in. How no, Test is not going to hear it. I know, exactly. He'll be fine. He's dead, isn't he? <laughs> oh, he's been dead since 2007. We've, we've mourned long enough. I was just making a joke to the piss. Oh, Tess robbed him his rightful spot in the rumble as if he was, because he wasn't going to win it. And then fucking you come in, you morbid bastard. <laughs> Never eliminated from the rumble, but eliminated from the game of life. Oh, Jesus. Is it you that's running that account? Is Tess still dead? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a no, but... that? I didn't know that. Oh, Ugh. oh, there's another one. Uh, is Michael Jackson still dead? Is that, yeah, he is, yeah. There's a Thatcher one, um, and every year on the anniversary of her death, posts, still dead. Anywho. So, so Foley takes Tess' spot in the the Rumble and attacks Orton, eliminates both him and eliminates Orton and himself. Gives Nunzio a sock off just for being Nunzio. Uh, then it carries on to the, the three-on-two handicap match at Mayor. Orton pins Foley at the end with an RKO from out of nowhere. And then they have that match uh, for the Intercontinental title at Backlash. But I think, I think I might have said it on the show, Andy, I don't know if you agree with it, but the IC tail is kind of second during that match. It's more about you know, the blood feud between these two and obviously fully doing for Orton what he kind of did for Triple H a few years earlier. Yeah, it's kind of weird to think like uh, like Mike Foley's challenging for the IC uh, titles is also a title he's never won it. And although, you know, the IC title is 
an important title. It just feels it's beneath Foley. And as you said, it's like you don't need that. You don't need the title in the match. It's just mm-hmm. a brutal feud between these two guys. And again, uh, it's the match that makes Orton like seem as a big time player. And again, that's Mick Foley. Mick Foley's like he done it for Triple H, he done it for The Rock, and now he's done it for Randy Orton, where he's just made him into like this dangerous sort of character. And when he does the RKO and he uh, reverses it, and he just lands back first straight into the thumbtacks, just like yeah, mm-hmm. fuck that. <laughs> uh, what was reactions. Uh, uh, but no, great, uh, great feuds. Uh, again, it's a shame that Mick Foley came out of retirement about fifty times. Uh, <laughs> this, you know, uh, bless him. But again, it's one of those feuds where it's just really, really good. And it, it just, you never felt that uh, Mick Foley was going to win the IC title. Mm-hmm. But it's just again, it, it just put Alton onto another platform. Because then again, it was a few months later he's, he's he wins the World Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I think because he, he had this gimmick of you know, like the good looking, you know, young guy, and like everybody wanted to see him like, get battered, and they were hoping to see Foley basically kill him. And like they even said, I think Foley even says in one of the promos, like, Randy, I'm gonna make a man out of you in this match, and like, or in like showing oh, that, he could, <laughs> Randy, that showing he could take uh, punishment in the, the match by you no, know, the spot the thumbtacks and his facial expressions when he takes, and then. He has, he has actually a, one of the better IC tutorings of that era. He goes on to Bad Blood to spend against Shelton Benjamin. And Held he, it for uh, 210 days. Mm-hmm. Well, they said at that point, it was the longest reign in like seven years at that point. And it's, I think because they're like 99, 2000, especially that IC title was changing hands all the bloody time. Uh, and yeah. so it's nice to see an actual like, a decent length reign until he lost it to Edge at Vengeance. Not the greatest match ever. They would have to wait like 15 years to have that. Those two, but I think he got like four and a quarter stars. I mentioned on a quiz showdown one time, so it was one of the better matches at the time. So it set Edge up because they always had plans for him, Ross. But then he then goes on to SummerSlam to defeat Name Redacted uh, to win the title. Uh, Mr. And I, Black. <laughs> Mr. Black. <laughs> yeah, and I believe like he carries a crossface into the RKO, and I believe like JR said that that was the first time JR said the phrase RKO out of nowhere. Yeah, the the whole build around this um, about Orton being this smarmy heel and like you know for for those of for those that didn't watch at the time and maybe just know the the history of Benoit now, mm-hmm. Benoit and Eddie Guerrero both in the summer of two thousand four were on like these runs. These indie darling runs before the likes of Daniel Bryan and Kenny Omega and CM Punk had it, you know, these were the indie darlings. And people weren't sick of Benoit yet. People people still liked him. People hadn't got bored yet. People really enjoyed the title, even, you know, even though he had to play second fiddle to, you know, whatever Triple H was doing on Raw, he was Mm -hmm. still he was still a champion that was over. And usually these promos of, oh, it's my destiny to win this and I'm going to win this. And the fact that Alton was so young and it was his first time in the title picture, were like, there's no way, there's no way. And the commentary team make this, this is a, obviously not underrated, maybe just 
underwatched because people know the history of Bermont now. Mm-hmm. But it's the the suddenness of the RKO because he only hits it once. He hits one RKO and wins it. Um, it's the three count. It's Alton's reaction. It's it's uh, JR and King both screaming into the mic like they can't believe it that he's mm-hmm. won it. They can't believe that you know Benoit's reign was over like that. And you, JR's trying to capture the significance and Lawler's healing it up like I told you it was destiny. It was destiny. It's just all a all a a really good story leading to it. Mm-hmm. It's a really great moment because the fact that the RKO does come out of nowhere and the commentary don't know how to react because in the space of three seconds, history was made. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't a Triple H that's a pedigree and then waits 10 minutes to pin Booker T. It was <laughs> how to dive into the pin because I think as well, Orton knew, as confident as he was going into that match, he didn't think he would actually win. So his reaction as well tells mm-hmm. the story. And obviously the Toronto crowd, Benoit's home country of Canada, they were cheering him, but then after it, they knew they'd witnessed history, so they cheer on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that they do cheer, because like, they are a funny crowd the whole night. They keep coming to you crying as they cover it, because they call him Bizarre World and everything, because like Edge, like Jericho gets a decent reaction, but he still gets a decent reaction in the trouble fight earlier on, but Edge, despite being from Toronto, uh, he was just this, they weren't interested in him as a babyface, so Edge gets booed out of the building earlier in the night. Uh, they, don't, they basically... Re- Group protests against the JBL taker match to do a Mexican wave midway through the match. A guy tries to jump on JBL's limo, uh, and then yeah, like they cheer the fact that Orton won despite the fact that he's a heel, like closing out SummerSlam, like your second biggest pay per view of the year, third maybe if, depending on how you feel about the Rumble, uh, like as the champion and yeah, like the genuine emotion on his face. And all people at the time, like since then, have said, oh, they just put a belt on him because Lesnar left. Uh, they wanted another person they could say was the youngest like champion, and also he wasn't on the same brand as the WWE title. And considering that they rushed through the Benoit rematch the following night on Raw, and had admittedly what I think is a cool like like betrayal angle with the Triple H in the thumbs up, thumbs down, getting dropped by Batista, and then loses it and his first pay per view defense to Triple H, kind of gives credence to that almost because like they kind of rushed through what could have been a multi month angle, and I think there are some that have uh, theorized that. Batista's push towards the tail at Mania was originally meant for Orton. Yeah. Sorry, Miguel. No, I was going to say, uh, yeah, the idea was he, lo- he lost the title for him to have the big comeback and win it at WrestleMania. But it's just that month of him being babyface, uh, Orton, mm-hmm. it just it just came across as really bratty. The whole spitting in the face is such a, a heel move as well. And and then when Triple H beats somebody, he doesn't cheat. I can't remember what happens in that other given match. No, no, uh? I think he does beat him cleanly, doesn't he? Uh, um, and, and I don't know, maybe that just was a bit like maybe backstage, like maybe he's not ready yet, you know, and it kind of, you kind of feel it. But again, that's, again, you have a big reaction and then they kind of rush him into being what the next big baby face on, on Raw and it's like this guy's been a hero <laughs> for the past year and a half and now you you know sometimes it, it isn't as smooth as, as a transition as WWE likes to think yeah I, something else here as well it's um, it's it's a 
it's annoying as well the fact that you know we, we talked about how how it was a history making moment when he beats Benoit. Benoit winning the title as well was also a history making moment. You know, it was the eighteen year odyssey as JR calls it. And we just we, we ended the reign of terror of Triple H. You know, he's still in amongst the title picture. He's still in the main events with Shawn Michaels at Hell in a Cell and all that. But he's no longer champion. The, the reign of terror is over. So the fact that you went from, you know, the indie darling who won it at WrestleMania, despite all odds saying he shouldn't be in a WrestleMania main event, to then the youngest champion ever, new blood and fresh blood, and first time he's had a one-on-one title match, to then we're going back to Triple H. Mm-hmm. That was another thing that made it feel dead flat. And I don't know if maybe they talked about backstage, Randy Orton's attitude wasn't, I don't know if this was like to humble him, <coughs> excuse me, or to maybe say to him like, look, we're giving you a taste of it, but we're not going all in yet. You know, mm-hmm. we've got this storyline with Batista, we can't, which, which does make sense. You know, they couldn't just, you know, we're a month, you know, say at the Royal Rumble, oh, by the way, Triple H speaks Randy Orton, which he did anyway. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we're going to put you aside and Batista's going to take the title shot because, like, what was the point in going all in with the title run if you're not going to take it to WrestleMania? You had plans for WrestleMania. So looking back, probably the right call, but frustrating for fans for the fact that we went from indie darling, new upstart, back to the reign of terror. Yeah, and I think it was probably, I think he kind of needed that loss because, like, as a babyface, it didn't work. And uh, by, like, started, by the time WrestleMania comes around, he's back to being a heel, which Randy's naturally better at doing. And although it's weird given how many world titles he's won, it took him three years to win his next one. And, like, then they, then they made up for lost time and the years of bloody would follow that. Uh, but the best thing... This, this Sorry, thing just before we move on, sorry, I'm just... Uh, me and Andy were like, didn't Triple H beat him clean? No, Ric Flair, Batista, Jonathan Coachman all interfered, and then Triple H hit him with a chair and then pedigreed him on a chair. What the fuck so is he, he Coachman him. doing? What the fuck's Coachman doing there? He ran down to the referee shot and tried to make the pin for Triple H. Okay, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I think the best thing this run gave us was his I, what I say is his best team still when he debuted Burning My Light uh, and obviously it kind of fit with the, at the time because this opening lyric is nothing's going to change what you've done to me and it was in his feud with Triple H who had just betrayed him so it suited him uh, like because like voices worked for the first few months of his run as like this mental guy punching you in the head but after that as time's gone on it just means less and less but I still prefer Burning My Light. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, Burning Light My Light was probably one of my favourite WWE themes. It was so good. It was on my Nokia phone. That's how good it was. <laughs> and I used to get a phone call. Like, oh, I wouldn't answer it because I was just too busy jamming at the, well, at the Burning My Light. Well, Andy, you liked it a lot more than Orton did because Orton has said in interviews he hated oh, yeah, the theme. He said it sounded like something I, a teenage girl would, he said he sounded like something a teenage girl would listen to. I thought it was good because, like, obviously, the hey, nothing you can say. <laughs> uh, nothing's going to change what you do. <laughs> so, I, I, um, I think it's the ref at the start and when he used to do the pose and it was all the spot, like the, yeah. the fireworks coming off. I, I just remember. They, they were just so cool. I, I know you say so, like, you didn't like 
I'm glad to say, just quite, uh, I know you say you didn't like it. I think you preferred it better to the kill switch engage this fire burns that you oh, used yeah, one I day about that. on SmackDown. <laughs> one episode of SmackDown, yeah. yeah. Um, but would you call it? I I, I like how because it, it works as a face when he's going up against Triple H. Nothing's going to change what you've done to me. I'm you know I'm coming for you, and then the burn in my light and the look how cool I am, and mm-hmm. you know I'm so. You know, I, I'm a heel, but I'm so handsome and I've got everything going for me. That It sort of works for that. And then as Andy says, the guitar rift fits with the pyro dropping and the posing and the look at me ass. Like, it, it's so good to see ECW one night stand mm-hmm. because, like, ECW, like, they're, they're raging that he's brought pyro because mm-hmm. ECW <laughs> didn't have pyro. And it's like, like Taz is screaming, like, why the hell do we have Pyro? And Joey Styles is like, oh, well, Orton needs it. He's a superstar. He's not a red. He's a super... And it, that theme and that Pyro and all that, it fits so well with the the anti-ECW sort of character that he's yeah. playing. Yeah. I was going to say, comparing voices to Bonamilla, it just voices just starts like, like, I hear voices in my head. And it's just, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't feel like a big... It's not like, you know, when if, if someone was getting beat up and then, you know, like Austin, mm-hmm. a la Austin's, like, thingy, uh, the glass breaks, and then it's like, oh, my right. God, look at the ramp. I don't feel like when Voices comes on, everyone's looking at the ramp, like, in excitement because the music isn't yeah. really that, it doesn't really pump you as much as uh, bother my light. Mm-hmm. Bring it back. Bring it back. Okay, why no? Hey. Uh, although Rosie's a, like, with the ECW guys talked about Pyro, like as if ECW was too good for Pyro. He couldn't have fucking afford Pyro. Paul even couldn't afford to pay his own wrestlers. Like if True, he, he admitted yeah. admitted he got away with not paying copyright because he just played the music through like Enter Salmon through like the housemates in the arena. So they would didn't couldn't have to have to actually pay for the rights to it. But so like then like I said he turned teal by the start of two thousand five, but he does play a part in like the, the turn for Batista where he eliminates Batista from the O five uh, elimination chamber. And points out points out to him the following night, like, look, Triple H could have saved you, but he chose not to. And then that starts that run and helps Batista, like, eventually have his ascension as well. While Orton turns his attention to killing the ultimate legend and the Undertaker. Oh, this I is think so good. They had a, a feud throughout 2005. Uh, I mean, Taker took a brief break in the middle to murder Muhammad Hassan for a month. <laughs> uh, but, like, but I think was it Orton? Orton was injured, wasn't he? After because didn't the draft yeah, happen? Yeah. yeah, the draft happened. He, he was off TV for a while because he he showed up during the draft and RKO Undertaker, yeah. and then he was just off TV for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it was SummerSlam he came back at, wasn't it? Yeah, he and, yeah because like Taker won the Mania match, even though like I think this was the first year they they probably made this geek a thing, and Taker seemed open to letting Orton oh, win, but Orton. I'd, I just want to quickly like just jump in because I I think that was like just for Orton to become next level like like again he made the streak like something that was actually you had to beat which was obviously the start of the streak is more important than any title because Undertaker's never been defeated and one of the best promos is when again they're not even on the same show and, and Undertaker isn't even on Raw but it's just the the promos he was playing when he does the the streak promo. Of just who he's defeated, how he's defeated them, and it's just one of the best like promos. They used it about three or four times afterwards because of just how, because obviously Alton's in the ring. He's like, I'm going to beat the streak, and then just this 
uh, vignette comes on the Titan Tron and it's just by far one of the best things I've seen. And also he, he RKO'd Stacey Keembler for just because. For reasons. Because <laughs> he, he remembers what she done to him uh, during his debut can make it to Vincent Mann. Making it to Vincent and then see that's how bundle my light works. <laughs> Nothing's gonna change what you've done <laughs> to <laughs> me. Let her know. Mm-hmm. Let her know. I, if I could RKO you in your tall, I could RKO the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like again another great RKO counter. The choke slam and the RKO, but Orton then like Tonson does the motion, goes for the tombstone, Taker counters it. Any of the tombstone, I think then to make up for the fact he couldn't win at Mania, they then gave him the next two. Everyone's like Cowboy Bob and a weird latex mask, like disguise, cause the distraction helping Orton win. Uh, and then the two of them in a handicap, handicap casket match, uh, no mercy, uh, beat the Undertaker. And then a move they hadn't seen since Kane last did it basically put him in a, a casket and set it on fire. And they go, like, oh, Undertaker, because Undertaker always stays gone when he's seemingly murdered. Uh, only for him to return a month later. Uh, Just after... test. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh. sorry. What the hell? Test would be rolling in his grave if he could hear. This. He's burning in the devil's light. That man is, you know, that's what he's doing. Sorry, test isn't up there. Test is down there. <laughs> <In hell. laughs> <laughs> <That's what laughs> That's what he said to Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, so Orton is uh, that was all three test fans are going to write in to complain about this. And if you have those testicles, if you have yes, a complaint, if you think we're disrespecting test, please tweet your complaints to at Cap Dave ninety one, and he'll pass them along to us. No, <laughs> Captain Dave. <laughs> But so Orton, they do our before they make the varieties, the annual Ravi Smackdown thing that no one cares about. They had a Ravi Smackdown five on five match that no one cared about. The Orton again beat Shawn Michaels at the end to be sole survivor and was held up a lot by all the Smackdown lower mid carders. And then Undertaker came. Funaki, the Jets, Scotty <laughs> too Nunzio again. Uh, and then Taker comes out of a burning casket to batter them all and then has the show end like feud ending match in Hell in a Cell at Armageddon, which is notable for the fact that he possessed Josh Matthews. You all remember? I you forgot about that. That was I remember that. They do the he appears in the mirror, a la uh, Ultimate Warrior style, but they managed to do it. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the fact that uh, yeah, he possesses uh, Josh Matthews probably in his <laughs> finest performance is a fantastic dummy. Uh, just, I thought it was funny. I was like 15, 16. I was, I was hilarious. See, so like, stupid. What's funny about that, that's also pre-recorded both the scene and the audio. So obviously it's scary when Taker does it. you got to think the original version so they can add it in later. you got to have Josh Matthews and his pre-previsant Josh Matthews voice delivering this scary Undertaker promo to Randy Orton. Which I imagine could probably, probably did not sound the same. No. <laughs> and then obviously, Undertaker nearly battered Cowboy Bob because uh, Bob Warren gets involved in the, uh, the Armageddon match, bleeds, gets cut open, bleeds on Undertaker, and uh, Bob Warren has a history of hepatitis and forgot to tell Taker about it. And so Taker wanted to batter him. What the Bible. Yeah. No, no, I. How do you forget you've got a fucking a, a potential blood 
a potential killer disease mm-hmm. <laughs> that could mess with people's blood. I know. I think like an indie wrestler was meant to get like this contract WWE and like Abdul the Butcher had a similar thing with him. I think the guy ended up suing him. Yeah, because isn't yeah, there like something yeah. where someone contracted AIDS from someone bleeding, or is that like? Yeah, that was. It, that I was don't. Th- I don't know about AIDS, but I know about hepatitis. Uh, yeah. Abdullah the Butcher has Hepsi, and oh yeah, he caught it. And Nigel McGuinness had to retire because he mm-hmm. caught it um, through just excessive bleeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, as, <laughs> as far as selling sale goes, like it was a. Hit. Hell of a feud for Orton, even though he lost in the end, like it's Taker's match. Uh, anyway, and also, you know, a guy's been attempted murdered, you gotta come back and have him win at least. And then, uh, speaking of burning, then D- Orton then insinuated that the late Eddie Guerrero was down in hell to get into the head of Rey Mysterio, and that which got Orton added to the the uh, WrestleMania main event where he beat Ray for his tail opportunity. And uh, there's reports here, I'll say, oh, well, there's been. A lot of fans online that don't like Randy Orton feeling that like he's entitled, and obviously we said before, like when Orton's not into something, he lets you know by his demeanor that he's not into. It. And I think all five or six of the reports, like this, is when his backstage attitude was at its worst. Like uh, there's reports of him shitting in divas' bags and just generally having like letting his temper get the best of him and having is having outbursts like the slightest thing and everything. And there's also been people who left the company from then that point talking about how much yeah a prick he could be. And uh, also, apparently, something you can kind of see how they protect him is in his wellness violations, and that in 2006 he got a 30-day suspension, got brought back early because he was meant to fight uh, Angle at One Night Stand, because uh, they'd written him off originally by having Angle break his ankle in a King of the Ring match, and then in 2007, after the Ben Wall tragedy, tested all their wrestlers and found 11 of them like had failed their wellness test. Uh, 10 of them got suspended including Edge, Johnny Nitro, Omega I think, uh, Booker T was on the list but he refused to take the suspension so buggered off to TNA uh, and Orton was on the list but they didn't even suspend Orton and what's still about that is Orton would face his second strike of the violation which was a 60 day suspension in 2012 but if Orton had taken the second strike in 2007 uh, then in 2012 they'd have to have released them because obviously three strikes and WWE and you're out yeah, um, it, he is very well protected, and he is a Vince guy. You know, there's been reports before. He is synonymous with uh, SmackDown in recent years, mm-hmm. but apparently he prefers to be on Raw because Vince is always at Raw. Raw is Vince's baby. He likes to take creative direction from Vince, mm-hmm. and I think it, I think he knows he has a relationship with Vince and. In recent years, you know, John Cena even said in an interview, the birth of Randy's children has calmed him down. Mm-hmm. Um, other people have said in recent years since he remarried, and, you know, he, he now has, like, two children and three stepchildren. Um, he is just a... He's not the old Randy Orton. He has a family guy now who... about a family guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, a man who possibly... He has got cat- those good old... Sorry. <laughs> again. I was going to say, a man who possibly can do shit in your bag. <laughs> um, he, would you call it, he, he is a changed guy now, but before he was a real piece of shit, no pun intended, and he did he did play on the, the relationship he had with Vince and Hunter, and I, I don't think it's a, 
a shock to find out that Vince McMahon has favourites and has mm. people he protects. And you, you just, you have to wonder, in 2012, if, if Orton did get that third strike, if Orton did leave WWE, would Orton have went elsewhere and maybe, you know, had... Because a frustration with Randy Orton from a lot of wrestling fans is sometimes he phones it in because he's so naturally good. Would Orton maybe have had a bone epic and maybe went to a, a Ring of Honor, a New Japan, an Impact Wrestling, and maybe maybe have been a better performer? Maybe we might have seen better Randy Orton matches had he left WWE at this time. But yeah, at the time he was very well protected and. WWE basically shot themselves in the foot right after the Benoit tragedy of the, you know, no exceptions. We're going to we're going to make sure everyone takes the same test, and then all of a sudden it was oh, except when we like this guy and we've invested five years into this guy and made him our youngest. Because then then they're going to have to go out. You said Scott about the Brock Lesnar thing mm-hmm. earlier on. Then they're going to have to go out and get someone even younger to yeah. then break the Randy Orton record because all of a sudden. It's oh Christ, we can't have him associated with it. Yeah. What I was going to say was that uh, people came out and said that is the wellness pro- policy the way the policies is like suited to like Randy Orton because obviously there was that thing of if you haven't done anything in a, a set amount of uh, days, then yeah. it'll get taken off. And it was like, yeah, it was like, well, is this to protect Autumn? And as you were saying, if we've got left, go. Because what is the policy if you get your free strikes, you're out, but how long are you out for? Because it's not like out forever. Oh, I, think Jeff, um, I think Jeff left in 09, I think, after he got his third strike. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, so that was seven years he was away for. Yeah, yeah, but obviously they'll have a time limit, but I reckon they would have probably been like, right, this is a policy, you've obviously broke it. Obviously, there's going to be a place here for you when you come back, and they'll probably just sort it somewhere out. Like, just take the time off, spend time with the kids. Maybe here's a little bit of money under the under mm-hmm. the books because WWE's done that with people like Finch Russo, where they were paying them under the books uh, for that small <laughs> spell when he came back for the invasion and stuff. You know, so it's like WWE are just a you know they they are the biggest company, but they're also the dodgiest company. So it's like yeah. they, they just found a way to just be like, and again, I think that's the thing. If you spoil someone and you uh, promote their bad behaviour, you know, they're always going to be a bit of a cunt. Pardon my French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. The idea of him, like, secretly being still being paid, like, someone going through office, like, who is this Keith Randall that we seem to be sending a lot of money to on a monthly basis here? Oh, don't worry about it, pal. It's a good friend of mine. <laughs> Vince, why do you keep taking out a sack of $1 bills? <laughs> I, again... <laughs> Again, with the like going back to like as far as Jimmy Snooker, with the he showed up with a briefcase mm-hmm. after uh Snooker's missus passed away, well, passed away, well, died under mm-hmm. circumstances. And it's like, yeah, if he's gonna like cover up, uh, like, well, not cover up a murder, I don't, we don't know what happened. He just came into a PlayStation with a briefcase. If he's gonna allegedly cover up a murder, he yeah, can allegedly cover up a wellness test. I mean, yeah. we say and allegedly, also, we say allegedly, we all saw that fucking dark side of the ring. It's the most clearest picture that, like, this man is guilty, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just that thing. If, if you're Vince McMahon's guy, you're well protected, unless you try and have sex with his daughter or something. I don't know. It's just, you know. Allegedly. No, no, in that, that case, you get to run NXT for a while. 
Yeah, unless your name's Randy Savage again, we don't know <laughs> allegations. But, so getting back to where we were like, with Orton, like in 2016, does the thing with Angle, and then in the summer of 06, you know, we talk about being protected. Then he tries to take out the most protected legend there is Hulk Hogan, brother. And uh, the money. biggest oh. racist in all of Born Entertainment. <laughs> across the the hood of his car, uh, which and also the whole. It's been said that Hogan only came back to promote his fucking reality show and everything. And uh, Hogan's last WWE match is against Randy Orton. And did he put him over? Did he fuck? Yeah, I was going to say it's like again, it comes back from a suspension, and he's up against Kurt Angle, and then they put him in probably one of the biggest matches. Uh, of that SummerSlam uh, against uh, Hulk Hogan, you know, legend versus legend killer. You know, he should have won, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently this, like, we talk about uh, Thingley's bad behaviour, uh, Randy Orton's bad behaviour. Hogan here, um, he was on fourth, so it's a seven-card show, the main events, Edge v. John Cena for the WWE title. Uh, there's also DX versus the McMahons, they go on third on the show. Um, they wrestle for ten minutes. Orton doesn't get put over. The, you know the whole legend killer gimmick. This could have been what the legend killer was building to. The biggest legend of all. Apparently Hogan refused to put him over, and like he did with Michaels one year earlier, and apparently was not happy with his payoff. Um, apparently Vince, according to Hogan, which is probably bollocks. Vince said, you're not the only draw here. You know, we've got two world title matches. We've got DX versus the McMahons, blah, blah, blah. And Hogan was saying that fans were leaving early and, like, the, these people weren't the draw he was. They came to see him, and that was basically Hogan. Hogan was out of the WWE, and once again, it was because he was arguing about his spot. You know, he was, mm-hmm. what, late 50s at the time? And he's still arguing about his spot in 2005. I mean, yeah, Hogan, like, Hogan's always looked 50 to me, to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> that's that hellline. He's very, very sensitive as well, because I think he tried to say, though, he changed his mind about like Michaels, because like even though he told Michaels, no, say what you want about me and the bill, because Michaels had to carry it. He said, oh, there, I think there are times where, where Michaels crossed the line a few bit times in uh, obviously Orton, because like Brooke Hogan made a few appearances with Hogan in the build, so Orton made jokes about her and how much he wanted to sleep with Hogan's daughter and uh, apparently Hogan got a bit uh, annoyed about the things Randy said about Brooke. Uh, so he again, didn't like, get annoyed as much as when she was seeing a black man though. That's what we're yeah. <laughs> that, Hogan. Hogan was fifty two here and was still playing the politics game. Like I don't I thought I don't think anyone, you know, Shawn Michaels could have said word for word what Hulk Hogan wrote for him and Hogan would have still made an excuse mm-hmm. to not put him over. Um, Randy Orton could have said that Brooke Hogan was a model professional and a businesswoman in modern America <laughs> and Hogan still would have said, I would have said it with a tone. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's, it's Hulk Hogan here. It's, but, yeah, like, it's not what you said, it's the way you said it. Yeah, Hulk yeah, Hogan is just, he's the biggest mark of himself. He's, you know, he's just, uh, again, it was like a few years ago when Brock Lesnar came out and said, say happy birthday, old man. He was like, oh, there's some heat between me and, and Brock Lesnar because, you know, he called you me are old. You are old. You're about, 60. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it's, 
as you said, he is. He's a very sensitive man, Hogan, and this. That's I actually forgot about this match. You know, the Legend Killer. We talk about the matches, the Legend Killer. You know, the promo segments with Piper, the RKO with Miller, spitting in the face of Harley Race, RKO and Jake Roberts, the feud with Ric Flair, the feud with Mick Foley, getting in there, even if it's a tag match, getting in the ring with The Rock at WrestleMania, the Undertaker feud. And what's the what's the feud you forget about that the legend killer had mm-hmm. against the biggest yeah, legend probably. of all because, do you because think there's a, do you think there's a problem as well where Orton just thinks he's better than that anyways because like I said he was in the ring with the rock and it just felt like nothing in a way is like is that he just has this like I'm better than you and I don't you know and I've got my own legacy kind of thing. Uh, I, yeah, I think that was you, you know you were talking about rewarding people's bad behaviour. He, he, I think he knew, like, he, he was, don't get me wrong, young people are dicks. I, I, I still am. When have I ever appeared on anything this podcast has ever done and made myself seem any point like a dick? I do not know. Give me one example. I'll give you five. But anyway, um, the, as you said, Andy, it, you know, He's come in this cocky, smarmy guy. He's picked up an industry that takes certain people lifetimes to master. He's picked it up as if it if it was natural. He is in the ring with people like The Rock and Mick Foley. He's surrounded by Ric Flair. You know, maybe he did think he was above it. And as you said, poor behaviour. Well, it comes from the fact that he essentially grew up in this business and from the minute he's been in there, he's been amazing, he's been touted and he's been surrounded by some of the biggest stars of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, the, it's that sort of thing as well where it's like, you when you look at the, when you, the first superstar, when it's like The Rock joined and it's like, who was, whose wing was he under? Bret Hart. When Triple H was there, who was he under? Shawn Michaels. Now who's under Triple H? Randy Orton. Who's also above them? Ric Flair. So it's like, Mm-hmm. Rick Flair just had this, as we all know from the flight from hell, he's like early 2000s, he's still got this attitude that he could just walk around with his, like his dick hanging out kind of thing. Yeah. What kind of mm-hmm. influence does that have on Orton as well as Triple H, who believes he's the biggest and best thing since buddy Rick Flair? So it's kind of like, you wonder what that's got to do. And also his dad yeah. was like a, a, a professional, like maybe not as big as Hogan, but he was still kind of a well-known name back in the day. And it's like, yeah, it's like, and now you're you've got this rocket strapped to your back. It, mm-hmm. It's just like you, you wonder how, like how like how, what's going on in his head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And an Orton would how would they bounce Orton back from this? They would uh, have him feud with a few more legends as they put him in the tag team division. And I don't care what anyone says. This is one of my favorite mashups of all time. Rated RKO is formed with Edge and Orton both feeling slighted after Edge. Uh, lost the WWE Championship and Orton obviously lost multiple times at bringing back the world title and also the feud with Hogan. So they put them together as rated RKO uh, with a mashup of Metal Ingus and Burnham My Light and they would win the Raw Tag Team titles from the team of Roddy Piper and Ric Flair because 2006. And then they would go on a feud with uh, DX and a feud that is noble for their New Year's Resolution, Revolution match where Triple H fucked his quad, the other one that is. Uh, they are both being the final four of the 2007 Rumble but they would break up shortly after Wrestlemania but 
I, I have fond memories, even though it was very brief, of uh, Rated RTO I don't know about you, Russ. Yeah, um, <laughs> sorry, just a, a funny a camera angle botch. Um, at Survivor Series 06, when Team Rated RTO take on DX and are beaten in a clean sweep, there is like 20,000 fans in the arena 19,999 are going insane, loving every minute of it. But the camera chooses to pan in on the one guy in a rated RKO shirt with a look on his face like, what the hell was that? Like, like he he is absolutely devastated. But yeah, um, it was really good because the smarmy heels, they were dominant, but then they got what they deserved, if you get me, because... They, you know, these guys beat these past or prime guys, um, Roddy Piper and uh, Ric Flair. But then when they get in there and it's five on five and the odds are even, they get absolutely battered and they get the shit kicked out of them. But then they start going after DX and start, you know, trying to hit them with sneak attacks and all that. So it's it, it was a good... Th- tag team because they weren't overpowered but they weren't you know the awesome truth if you get me like the awesome <laughs> truth were essentially put together to job out to the rock and john cena and once that happened they you know they weren't put together just to job out to dx you know they they did get some wins over dx you know they did you know take some scalps as a tag team the only i think the only thing i didn't like was and Vince doesn't like to do face versus face or heel versus heel. But I think they should have had a WrestleMania match when they split up. I think Orton versus Edge in a match where they're both trying to cheat each other. And they're both, you know, Edge is at his rated R, sorry, his rated R superstar peak. Orton is, is smarmy, despicable self. And in the end, they both ended up just getting thrown into the Money in the Bank ladder match. Mm-hmm. So that's my my only my only down point of the feud was the fact that once they lost the titles to Cena and uh, Michaels again, I don't have a problem with it because when they were met with a challenge equally uh, an equal challenge, they got their comeuppance. My only annoyance is they didn't go on to then feud with each other because you didn't need one as a face and one as a heel. You could have them both just the way they are. And the promos could have just been, it's your fault we lost the titles, not your fault. And, you know, the story wrote itself. Yeah, because yeah, they were, like, hinting at it uh, on the build-up. So remember the build-up, it was yeah. kind of, they were hinting uh, a potential Shawn Michaels versus Shelton Benjamin, and then they were hinting at a potential, like, Edge versus uh, Randy Orton feud. And then it was like, yeah, all, and three of them ended up being in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Yeah. Well, Shelton, Shelton Benjamin yeah. was that, but and I get like Orton looks like a face because he's just hitting RKO out of nowhere. You know, like, he doesn't yeah. know what at least three people, and mm-hmm. it's just like yeah, it just it just it comes across as a bit more likable than he has been. Yeah, in that yeah, yeah, and that I think that is the problem that the help and hindrance the RKO got Orton over the RKO made him a crossover star, but at the same time, if you watch. Anyone, like if you watch any one point and see Orton hitting RKO's, you don't know if he's a heel or a face because he reacts the same way. Yeah, yeah, and the and the fans react the same way. 
It's never like I don't think anyone's ever booed the RKO. <laughs> no, never. Unless it's the, the only one I can remember booing was, and we'll talk about it later on. Daniel Bryan when ARKO's him uh, to like, take the title when the cash in and all that, people boo it then. Yeah. Uh, also, I think I said before that they, they got this team together because they both kind of had beef pushes and it got suddenly kind of stopped. And I think after they stopped, they, they stopped teaming, they both actually started getting what they deserved because Edge beats Mr. Kennedy for that money about briefcase. Goods already smacked in to be the main guy over there in the, in the heel side of things, and then Orton starts to shift towards a more vicious Orton. Like he debuts the punt. He writes mm-hmm. basically RVD out of WWE, takes out Shawn Michaels for a few months, uh, has a bull rope match randomly with uh, Dusty Rhodes at the Great American Bash with a uh, future stable mate Cody in his corner. And then also he has the feud with John Cena, which also included him punting John Cena Sr. Uh, try saying that three <laughs> times fast. <laughs> uh, in the head as part of it and then the food was made call me a last man standing match at No Mercy which Orton was going to win and then Cena on the go home raw like tears his peg his first major injury at the time and then they kind of overcorrected uh, themselves at No Mercy they thought oh god we need to we promised them our WWE title match we can't deliver on oh that's, I know what we'll do we'll give them three of them because they had they awarded Orton the belt at the start let Triple H challenged him to a match, beat him immediately. Then Triple H had his scheduled match with Or with, with Umaga, which then got made for the title. And then McMahon told him, "Oh, by the way, we were you told the fans we were going to have a last man stand match, and we're going to have one. It's going to be UV versus Orton." And then Orton finally got his WWE title when he managed to hold it all the way to Backlash 2008. So, and I think it was it was good that Orton finally got to have this long run as the top heel on Raw that he was kind of owed and. It kind of took it's nice also to see him this like more vicious side of like the punt at the time. Oh, yeah. When you see him using the punt for the first time, you're like, oh Jesus. Yeah, that was that was a move. You're like, how the hell did they how the hell did they fake that kind of thing? Kind of thing, because it is it just yeah. looks so brutal. And again, the RKO is a great thing, but as we were saying, it's like the same reaction, like people cheer, it's like, how do you get on heat? I'll just kick people right in the face. <laughs> you know, just, right when <laughs> while they're all on all fours. Uh and it's just yeah, devastating and uh, what is it he said he had like uh, like he had some disorder that made him <laughs> that made him just attack you yeah I, said, I can't remember the exact thing but it was so fucking good. weird wasn't it yeah, yeah. I, think, like, I think it was in his feed with man's like oh nine he said like oh you can't fire me for hitting Vince because I have this disorder and then months like like no I knew what I was doing all along like yeah we kind of figured yeah. that Orton with your very comical like <laughs> doctors always may as well have the words doctors not and like big block letters. <laughs> I remember. I, sorry, you go. I was just going to say, I, I can't because obviously when Alton versus John Cena, it's like you could put the matches in any order and you wouldn't be able to tell which year it was unless the commentary told you mm-hmm. because their matches have never been standoutish. But I remember, <laughs> do you know the song Letters from the Sky? It was used in one of the promos. They used it again for The Rock versus. Um, John Cena, uh, the second once in a lifetime match at WrestleMania. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, but there's a there's a there's and before it like oh this song's basically about these two and there's a lyric in it, it was like I was made to taste your kiss and I was like oh how's this uh, matchup going to be now between 
Randy Orton and John Cena, and it was just like, yeah, somebody in WWE missed that. Passion. <laughs> passion. Yeah, I think they play that over. Yeah, it's like, they, play that, they play that over like Orton kissing the, the WWE title and everything. Like, we know what you want to kiss. You, know. <laughs> you two, you live in sin. Don't care what everyone else says. Are they going to wrestle? Are they going to, you know, get together? What is, what is happening? That's not uh, real wrestling. Um, I, I would like to say that WWE was as progressive back in 2007 as they were, but, you know. No, they were not. As Scott said, they overcorrected themselves. I, I would have been perfectly fine. And something that really irks me here, because Triple H obviously had a hand in the decision to take the world title off of Orton back in 2004. Or he challenges Orton and Orton says, no, you're all right. And Triple H says, yeah, why would you want your uh, second title reign to be shorter than your first? And it's like, we know you had a hand in that. <laughs> Don't make him look like a loser for something you did. But yeah, as you said, Scott, they overcorrected themselves. Three world title matches, uh, three title changes on the night. And then it, it really should have been a case of, look, you want the title match, you can have the title match. Orton wins, mm-hmm. and then Umaga, who was meant to fight Triple H, comes out and just lays him out, you know, and then they can have that feud later on. Yeah, and I think, like you said, like, Orton, Orton finally wins it at the end of the night. He said the whole Triple H thing, like, and Triple H is maybe the babyface in this situation as well, like, mocking... Orton for having a short tail and then immediately bloody beating him for it. Even though I think a lot of fans still weren't warm to Triple H as a face at that point in the 2000s. Uh, then Orton does have, like I said, these normal things. Like Shawn Michaels comes out back the night after No Mercy. They have like two pay-per-view matches, Orton and Michaels. And uh, then Chris Jericho has his like, second coming, beats Jericho, beats Jeff Hardy, as mm. I said, of that great RKO counter. And also the feud had that... Uh, that big like that replay like Swanton bomb off the, the Raw set. Off the off the Titan Tron. Well not yeah. Titan Tron, but yeah, the yeah. sort of on Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh I remember it because obviously because oh sorry, I just cut you off. So, I was gonna say, and Jeff was made to feel like a, a real challenger that night when uh, Mike Adamley referred to him as Jeff Harvey. Do you know what's funny Jeff about Harvey. that match? I'm pretty sure Orton doesn't have any offense until it goes through a twist of fate. This Hardy or Jeff Harvey is, uh, <laughs> as he was called that night, and then he just does the RKO out of nowhere, which is probably one of the best RKO reversals, just in terms of just timing and mm-hmm. everything. Uh, but yeah, it's just um, no. I just wanted to make a quick point: is like that match. It's a good match, but it's just all Jeff Hardy yeah. like, doing it, and I don't know. Does it make him look weaker? Like in terms of, he just all it took was one RKO, and then that was time he was out for the the count. I don't know. I, I, think, I think that's sorry, Neil Scott. No, I was gonna say I don't really know, like because uh, maybe they were trying to play him as the heel because the heel's always maybe a coward. No matter what your book does before, as soon as you're like the heel world champion, you're automatically a coward. To me, or maybe they're trying to play up the emphatic nature of the RKO. But you know, I think it was shown that also Jeff could get maybe get it done. But like that was the story for two thousand eight because like. Through to the Zanetti's challenge and for it and doesn't win it finally till like the end of the year. Yeah. I um minus the, the John Cena No Way Out two thousand eight uh, match, the from winning the main event of No Me- uh, No Mercy mm-hmm. two thousand seven to right up to when he loses the title. I really like this autumn run because we talked about how they overcorrected themselves and try to over-deliver with three title changes and three title matches on the one pay-per-view. But then 
you know, WWE sometimes has the thing where they'll build a guy up and then bring in a shiny new toy or bring someone back and instantly the comeback guy wins and there's no plan going forward for any of the people. So now you've had the built-up guy lose and you've had the guy come back, get the win, but there's no plans for him going forward. They didn't do that here. They, you know, they protected Orton on screen for a change. They, because too often he he took pins and you know from 2004 to 2007 he would get to this a stage and then fall at the final hurdle. But Jericho comes back, it's big return. Jericho's back. Everyone wants to see Jericho. Orton wins. Shawn Michaels is back. Shawn Michaels is out for vengeance. Shawn Michaels is out for blood. Orton still wins. Jeff Hardy, Jeff, it's his time. We want to see Jeff Hardy. Orton wins. So he went up against three incredibly popular superstars and beat every single one of them and yeah. kept the run going. And the frustration, once again, is that Triple H is the one to end the reign at Backlash. Orton's first three title reigns all end at the hand of Triple H. I know. Yeah. I was going to quickly say because you said like popular superstars, and I was like, "Oh, he beat John Cena," but it was like, "Yeah, nobody liked John Cena at this point." <laughs> well, we beat uh, my DQ. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, but that Triple H threat match was uh, pretty entertaining, but pretty mm-hmm. unforget- unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. It was a four-way at Backlash that they went grab because they'd had the same match from Mania, but add JBL in there to make it a four-way. Because then was because everyone off. was clamoring for that. Because then that would be the two main feuds on Raw with JBL Cena on one side and then Triple H v Orton up until Orton got uh, his uh, collarbone injured and Triple H went to SmackDown and held it for a lot of 2008 as a babyface, which I don't know if a lot of people were fully behind his dude as much as ever he wanted them to be. But uh, Orton's out. I think, guys, we've been here for about an hour and a half nearly. So we're actually going to wrap this up soon because Orton's career is a lot more compact into it and more to talk about than we probably thought. So maybe we'll take a list, you know, Orton, the legend killer kind of era of Orton and we'll come back later on for another Orton show because we've done this before. Like, this like, like, what's happening to you, Randy Orton? It seems like your your snakeskin shedding and yeah. now you've become <laughs> the viper. Because like, we've done it for the rock and like Taker, so why can't we do it for Randy Orton as well? But one last thing I'll talk about before we go, which kind of start, was a big thing which goes into the next phase that we'll talk about next time we do an Orton show, which is the formation of Legacy, which starts when he comes back because... Uh, Cody was teaming with Hardcore Holly, who then betrayed Hardcore. You know, that's Bob Holly back again. See, Hardcore Holly and Randy Orton forever interlinked. Just <laughs> We're like going hard- full circle. But Hardcore Holly and Brock Lesnar are just the greatest rivals of Hardcore. We should do a Hardcore <laughs> Holly episode. There you go. Let's oh. throw that in for the Christmas special suggestions. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Those are the whole extended Holly family Hardcore, Crash, Molly. All of them. I like Crash Holly <laughs> and I like Molly Holly. Hardcore is the only one I don't like. <laughs> but so, like, so Ted DiBiase joins up with Cody uh, for a team. We then have Manu uh, backing them up as this. And then they, they bring in like the former like Deuce. He was like Sim Snooker, him who also played the cameraman that couldn't catch The Undertaker at WrestleMania that one time, as he's also known <laughs> uh, as part of Legacy. And then Orton comes in as the leader. And they make the right decision by getting Manu and the other snooker to fuck and make it just those three because the whole thing was legacy. Like they're all got they've all got famous, you know, fathers, but now they're forming their own path. And basically Orange now taking a couple of younger guys under his wing, like Triple H said for him and Batista. 
But before we go in, what did you guys think of the idea of the Randy Orton now leading his own kind of stable with two guys he can take under his wing? I don't know. I thought it I... was... No, no, I, you let me go first last time, you were this time. <laughs> this problem with Zoom, you just, uh, both, uh, everyone's just talking over each other and say, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, it was good that it kind of came full circle, that it was like, obviously he was the young upstart in Evolution, now he is the leader and obviously he's a bit more mature now um, and he's got these two, you got Cody Rhodes, who's a great wrestler, Ted DiBiase, who was okay. You know, the best thing I think ever came of Ted uh, DiBiase is the story that Cody Rhodes tells uh, <laughs> about the, re- the incident with the referee, if you yeah. want to go with that, it's very funny. Uh, but yeah, it's great, it's great. He's got these two, uh, I don't know what it is, it's always good that, like, you know, the tallest guy is the leader, because it's like you've got to beat these two mini bosses to get to me. <laughs> you know, it's like someone that looked really cool with the fact that, but you know, it was a good idea, and you know, it, it ran for uh, quite well. And obviously, Cody Rhodes is a massive star, and Teddy Biosi is, you know, still Teddy Biosi Junior. Mm-hmm. I I liked the obviously people talk about the symmetry about oh, well, Orton started the stable now he has his own stable, but I liked how he he never. Like Triple H handpicked these guys and mm-hmm. seen them as future world champions, and they're they're going to be by my side. You know, Triple H dressed up as if he was mentoring them, whereas in actual fact they were there to keep his title. Randy Orton didn't dress up. Randy Orton made it. I'm a legacy. If you want to be in this stable, you need to be a legacy. But you do as I say because the prime goal is to either keep the title on me or get the title back on me. So mm-hmm. you do what I say. You know, it was never a, oh, well, these guys are going to be future world champions and they're going to be here for years to come. No, it was a case of keep my belt and if I don't have it, go get my belt. Like mm-hmm. that's that that was a, the purpose of the role. And it played, it, it continued the dickhead Orton like the the 2008 Orton that we've seen, you know, the Viper, the the guy punting people in the head, but at the same time, it still had aspects of the of the spoiled brat burning my light Orton, where, you know, I, I'm ruthless. I'll you know I'll hit anyone, but if I'm not getting my way, I'm going to get my friends to bar you. You know what I mean? That yeah. that was essentially what it was, and it was it was a full circle. It was a combination of characters and. It was a different edge to Orton. And because the lackeys were so unlikable, it then led to Orton naturally turning back to a face. Mm-hmm. You know, they tried it before where they've just went, Orton's a face and people haven't been into it. 2010, he was over like anything. He was he was massively popular. And this led to that, you know, WWE eventually getting their face Orton. And an autumn that people actually liked. Mm-hmm. What's weird about this group is, like you said, that it was so clear they were just there to help Orton because they never had that moment of all of them holding titles. Because, like, DBSA and Rhodes had one reign as their the world tag champs on Raw, but that was like the early days, like I say, as Orton was coming back from his injury. And they would lose those belts to CM Punk and Kofi Kingston as kind of W's way saying, Oh, Punk, you got a measure of revenge against Legacy for Orton punting him in the head, but don't actually want Punk to beat Orton. Uh, so they kind of played it off as like a, a win for Punk in that. Uh, it was so long ago, but Kofi was still Jamaican at this point. 
And then Orton, whenever he was already champion, like the other guys weren't like champions. They were in the tag scene, but they would lose likes of the Colognes or like Jerry's show, everything. So also they weren't really taking a serious contender. Like you said, they were kind of Orton's lackeys. But we'll talk more about maybe legacy whenever we do the next part of Randy Orton. But that is going to do us here on Eat, Sleep, Sufflet, Treat, Treat. I hope you enjoy this latest feature show. Uh, I didn't remember the start of the show. I've had a quick check. It's going to be a, a unique show next week as we look at uh, one of the better rivalries from the mid-2010s in the women's division. We look at AJ Lee versus Paige, uh, one of the last great feuds over the, the Divas Championship. I believe David Campbell, I think, is hosting that show. Uh, so I'm sure he'll have all sorts of thoughts. And the great thing is AJ has recently announced to return to wrestling as part of a Women of Wrestling, the new reboot of that. So Wow. <laughs> wow. I've, I've had actually a few shout-outs from Paige on Twitch, which is quite funny. One of the greatest ones is when I put in, uh, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum and I'm all at bubblegum. And she read it out. And she said, oh, thanks, Andy. That was funny. And I'm like, I'm, I'm famous now. Oh, friends. <laughs> I'm Which friends. friends. So I think as well, like with uh, Stephen, I was like, because I remember I'd, I'd wrote in the Twitch chat as well. I was like, oh, like, would you be interested in an interview from an independent, like, Scottish uh, wrestling podcast? He was like, yeah, probably. I was like, Steve, I was like, yeah, send an email. Say, say, say Andy, say hello. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, we're friends. <laughs> from our friend. Team Hoops 247 on Twitch yeah. said hello. <laughs> say say uh, it's our pal Andre Michelle. She'll know what it means. Uh, Randy Andy 69 uh, you know you'll know what it means good god oh. <laughs> well been a hell of a show here lads uh, uh, thank you everyone for listening remember like I said back catalogue of all our past feature shows on Anchor Spotify iTunes all good Android podcasts you can find that yes our central East meets West uh, something I should have mentioned uh, our YouTube channel you can check that out Quiz Showdown uh, the last one hosted by Ross Quiz Showdown 14 uh, television. Featuring all of us. <laughs> all of us, yeah. Uh, and the next one coming up soon, uh, end of October, it should be me versus Dave Talkney. Uh, Quiz Showdown 15 Battle of the Titans, uh, which I think is uh, really overestimating David's ability with that title. I mean, Ross has thrown out some random facts. He's more of a Titan than David Talkney is currently. So. <laughs> I didn't, know, so, uh, I didn't know David Hockney was 50 metres tall. <laughs> <laughs> sure That's how big a Titan is. Uh, check out that. Check out us on social media. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at join the community page, get involved in the conversation, and you can get answer the GOATS questionnaire where you can get that read out on ASSR Central. But uh, I thank my very own Cody Rhodes and Ted DBS. They choose which one is which. Uh, you hey, try to fuck on me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Andy. <laughs> it was a pleasure, as always. As always. Thank you, Ross. <laughs> Thank you. It's been your pleasure having me fill in. <laughs> that sounded wrong. That, 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 that sounded very wrong. <laughs> well, uh, Ross says to it. the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> the pleasure was yours. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> there now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.